Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is Alicia and Whitney on Coming Coming Up Higher, where we're cultivating atmospheres for God to move in everyday life. Hey, guys. Thank you for coming up higher with us today. On today's episode, we have Pastor Charlie Ash. He's a good friend of ours, and he's also um, a Dove Award-nominated Christian musician and just has a, a great testimony of God using your giftings uh, for for his glory and and to draw others to him. But it's also uh, a story of disappointments and rebuilding your faith back up from from being torn down and, and just all the twists and turns along the way. And so we hope you guys tune in and are encouraged today that God can use every part of your journey. Well, welcome, everyone, to Coming Up Higher. This is Alicia and Whitney, and we are... Um, so excited today to be interviewing a great friend of ours. Mm-hmm. We first met Mr. Pastor Charlie Ash on the mission field. We were actually met at an airport. We were all heading to Honduras. It was going to be in the same group. And um, we ended up meeting at uh, the airport at one of our layovers in the States. And we're like, hey, we're going to the same place, going to be on the same team ministering. And and uh, just throughout that that trip and stuff, we all just realized it was like instant family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you that have like been on the mission field or have gone on trips like that or worked in in a new environment with people of of the same faith, uh, you just you realize it's just like an exponential growth and bonding time mm-hmm. because you're just put under these such emotional circumstances and you witness so much and, and you work together and see God move that, um, you know, it's just like, it's just, it's, you just grow together so quickly. But um, so we're excited to, to share with our brother and, and he's actually uh, has a really interesting testimony with a music industry background. He was, nominated for a Dove Award in the Christian music world and, and was a part of various bands like The Altered and Ash Monday and uh, Heather and signed with a few record labels as well. And the Lord uh, called him on a journey from the music world to the ministry world. And, and now he's a pastor, been a pastor at uh, Fountain Family Worship Center for about 12 years and has his doctorate in theology. He's a smarty pants. So, uh, so we just want to welcome uh, Charlie Ash to the coming up higher. Hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, we're glad, we're glad, and we've already we've already laughed off off recording today. Yeah. <laughs> Had a few laughs, which is common with us, all three of us. I know that's the thing. We're always like every year um, we'll go to Pastor Charlie's church and it's just like, all right, when's the next time we're supposed to go? Because I'm ready to laugh until my cheeks hurt. And <laughs> yeah. When is the next time you're supposed to go? We need to set a date. Yeah. After this, we'll uh, maybe look at our calendar and see if we can't get that scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> we always go to, they live right on the Indiana uh, border, and so we'll go over into Indiana and go to uh, the Super Buffet, yes. <laughs> which yeah. has everything you could ever dream of in one buffet. Literally, like fried chicken, Chinese sushi, sushi yeah. an ice cream bar, like right. lasagna, like yes. every <laughs> ethnic picks. food you can imagine in yes. one place. It is true. It lives up to its name, the Super Buffet. Yeah. Super. 
So tell us about, since you were, you know, obviously involved in music, signed with different labels like Devil Ward, that's some pretty major things there. Tell us how like you got started in all of that. Sure. I was born into a musical family um, and lot songwriters in my family, musicians on both sides, my mom and my dad's side, both. Uh, my mom's mom was a songwriter, played guitar, played piano. Um, my, my dad's parents were also musicians. Um, my dad is a songwriter. My mom and dad recorded some albums in the 70s um, together, and my dad did a solo record. And um, so my dad started teaching me to play guitar when I was real young. I don't ever remember not playing guitar. Um, and he also taught me to play piano. My grandma also gave me piano lessons too. But so just, I was from the age of like three years old on, I mean, we were singing at church and then my brothers and I, uh, when I was like 10 years old, we started a band, <laughs> a band. Um, we can only play like five songs, but that's all we had to play because we would just open for my dad's band wherever he went. And we'd yeah. do like, you know, a few songs. And so then, um, you know, all through high school, I was in a band. I was in a, a Christian Christian rock band all through high school um, with some of my buddies and some family, cousin, couple cousins. And then when I got out of high school, um, I I became I I went to Bible college and did an internship at the home church, at, and they hired me as their youth pastor. And so I sort of like. I was sort of playing music a little bit. I was also helping lead worship at the church and stuff like that still. Um, but, but definitely like not a career. And part of what I did as a youth pastor was we bought a, an old, it was an old Girl Scout house actually, but we turned it into a coffee house and a concert venue. And this was the late eight or early nineties. Yeah. Early nineties. And so we were, we were bringing, this is when Tooth and Nail Records was really big. And you guys are probably too young to remember Tooth and Nail Records. But at the time, Tooth and Nail was like, I mean, it was, it was out of Seattle. And it was, um, I mean, it was just this up and coming indie Christian label that was signing all these really cool bands. There had never been anything like it, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was really, I believe that was sort of like the golden age of Christian rock music, because it's never actually returned to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no, no offense to like, Christian rock bands now, but um, it was just different. It was different. And we were actually able to bring in those bands every weekend. I mean, I, I, I became friends with the record label people and I became friends with their booking agent. And so that led to, um, we never had an opening act for these bands. And so my band started opening for these bands. And uh, there was one artist that we brought in named Greg Strange from Nashville, Tennessee. And he was sort of like a dance, I don't know, like Depeche Mode type music, but Christian music. Um, so Depeche Mode that doesn't make you want to kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> type music. Um, <laughs> and uh, so and he worked at Rocket Town in Nashville at the time, which I don't know if you know, Rocket Town is kind of like a team club that's got a skate park. And at that time I was in a different location. Now it's downtown. Then it was in Franklin, but he had a recording studio there and he had a, a small indie label. And so Greg was like, Hey, um, I'd like you guys to come down and record a demo at my studio after we opened for it. So we went down and I mean, we were just super green and naive and honestly didn't know anything. 
didn't know anything. I mean, grew up in a town of 1,200 people and don't know a whole lot. Um, and so we started recording this demo, and before we even got it finished, this guy came in, and his name was Dave Steinebrink, and he knew Greg. And he had, Greg introduced us to him, and he said, you know, I'd like to play some of your stuff for Dave. So he did, and Dave liked it, I get, you know, and uh, Dave asked us, he said, would you mind if I, if I played this for a friend of mine uh, at Curb Records? And I didn't know what Curb Records was. I was like, okay, like, sure. Um, so he did, and, and he came back, he played it for, her name was Claire, Claire Parr, and uh, Claire had worked at Geffen Records before she came to Curb, and she had worked with Aerosmith and Nirvana and the Eagles. And I mean, just all these major Santana, all these major artists. And she had left LA and moved to Nashville and was vice president of A&R Curb Records at that point. And we were the first, we were the first rock band that she signed. She liked what she heard. And um, we were the first band that she signed to Curb and she took us under her wing. And, uh, you know, we became like her little brothers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so we, re uh, we recorded one record with Curb and, and she was, you know, it was just, it was a very fast process. Looking back now, especially um, knowing how long most bands have to like toil and it happened so fast for us. And she even told us at the time, she said, I'm signing you because I believe God wants me to. And at the time I just thought, because she was so smart and so like together and so accomplished already at that stage in her life. And I was not <laughs> any of those things accomplished together you? or uh, 21. Okay. 21. So what, so what was and, that uh, like as far as like, being so young, it really wasn't something you were looking for. I mean, it just kind of sounds like, you know, I was opening it, for bands at this coffee shop. Someone discovered us X, Y, Z, you know, like, so how did that, it was very much like that. Yeah. So how did, do you feel like it just kind of, um, was something that may have happened too quickly or, or for being so young or kind of like what was the the spiritual journey behind that because like i know sometimes when huge opportunities are are put in in young young people's yeah. laps it's kind of like can can be heavy you know it was it was um claire one of the things that she was really good at um she was super protective of us mm. really protective of us i think because she had Claire had been like, um, like I said, she worked with Nirvana. So she saw like, she was friends with Kurt Cobain. She saw the whole, um, she saw him devolve, mm. you know, and was, and eventually take his own life. She saw the struggle that he had with addiction. And, and it's one of the reasons why she wanted to start working in the Christian music industry. She told us that because it was so devastating for her. So uh, to answer your question, I mean, uh, looking back, I think it was, um, it was a blessing. A, 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 it changed my life. I mean, Claire and that record deal ch changed the trajectory of my life. Um, 
changed who I was, changed who I am now. It still informs every decision that I make, what the things I learned during that time. But it was a lot. It was a lot um, for us. As I mean, I was I was 21 when it when it all started. That la- it lasted for about five years, um, and then we moved on to another label. But but um, I think one of the things that was hard was we were so sheltered growing up here in this small town, which I now I moved back to. Um, that's where I pastor. But uh, you know, we were out. We were traveling the country we were in every, everywhere every state uh, started opening for bands that and playing playing festivals with bands that we had looked up to i mean the band I, it was it was uh i was a t- boy you know i mean i really was because i mean there were bands that i had i had grown up listening to and suddenly i was sharing a stage with them or i was oh we were opening for them or we were playing at the same festival and you know, I'd be backstage with them, standing side stage and look over. And there's this guy that I'd like idol. I mean, I, I, he sounds terrible, but I'd idolized my whole life or whatever, looked up to them. And, and, uh, you know, and this is not, I'm not going to name any names or this isn't to put anyone down. This is more about how young and, and impressionable I was and probably a cautionary tale about putting people on pedestals. But, but, the illusion is better than the reality a lot of times in those situations, you know, I mean, um, because the truth is, is all those people were, were just people. They were just people who were, had their own journey with Jesus and their own, their own things going on and they weren't perfect. And they were all struggling with something just like we all are. And I think as a, as a 21 year old and really young for 21, honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't grown up at all. I thought I was, I think it did take its toll. There just came a point for me where, you know, I, I got to where I didn't want to give my testimony. Um, we were doing interviews for magazines and on TV and, you know, GMA gospel week. And there would be these press junkets where you were just lined up and you just go right from one thing to the next and ask the same questions. Tell us how you came to Jesus. Tell, you know, and at some point I felt like I almost felt, and Probably this isn't. This was my impression of it. I'm not saying this how it, this is how it was, but my impression was that like I have to I have to be a good enough Christian to sell records. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't give a, a good enough testimony, like it was going to affect record sales, and so I was like selling my testimony, selling my faith. I I I really became sort of bitter about it and and didn't want to do it because I just felt like I was sort of prostituting my own experience with the Lord. Mm. And, and at some point, like, I think there came this thing in me where it was easy. It was easy to talk about it and not live it anymore, honestly, Mm. you know, Um, and that happened, you know, being on the road, uh, we were on the road for a long time, years and not, not, not plugged into a local church. We didn't have a, a road pastor with us. Um, and so I, I really went through, I, I ended up in a, in a, in a kind of, um, not so great place spiritually, really by the time, by the time it ended, you know, and that's, that's no one's fault. That's no one's fault. It was the product of being young, being given a whole lot really fast, you know, and 
my ego being fed playing in front of thousands of kids every night, you know, mm-hmm. playing a, when you're playing a choir, the fire events and there's 10,000 kids in the crowd or you're playing spirit West coast. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a rush and it's a head trip and it messes with your head. And, uh, and it, it did mine, you know, and I became, I became a different person yeah. and I see that, you know, and I just wasn't, I, I don't know if anyone at 21 and growing up the way that I did at shelters as I did could have been prepared for something coming that fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, to something you said about, you know, just it can easily become where you just prostitute your gift. And that's something yeah. I know, like we've even talked about is just like, where do you draw that line uh, because when God, you know, he does give us these giftings and we have these testimonies and things, but then sometimes you do as like an artist or a creative, like feel people just pulling, um, pulling on those certain areas for maybe certain gains or, you know, desired yeah. results. And it's just and like, it's draining. Yeah. And it's draining. And I it think, um, you know, as creatives, we have to get to the point of like, okay, where does, where is that line drawn? Um, because I don't, like our, our relationship with Jesus isn't worth prostituting, you know, or like, yeah. um, I just think that's it's just such like a fine line of just, okay, at what point does this stop being like genuine and authentic and then turn into, um, you know, really like prostituting that gifting. Yeah. 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 I just remember there just came a point where, and this, it, this became a real popular thing to say during this time where we went from wanting to be known as a Christian band to we're Christians in a band, Mm -hmm. you know, we're a band, we're a band and we happen to be Christians. And I, I I literally remember saying at GMA the last year that I did GMA with, um, with that band. I remember looking at our management and saying, I don't want to be asked to give my testimony on the air. Because honestly, I, I knew I wasn't in a good place. And I was like, I can get on the, I can get in there and lie. You know, I know what they want to hear so I can get in there and say it. But the fact is, is that's, that's not where I'm at right now. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, and so I, or I could go out there and be honest and be like, you know what? I'm not in a very good place spiritually. Like I'm pretty dry. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty compromised. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know, but they, praise they, the Lord! Yeah. I'm still making great music. God is good all the time, right? Just, yeah, you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like it's it becomes just like Bible babble that doesn't have any depth or authenticity to it, mm-hmm. and uh, and it it just it just got to the point where I didn't want to do it anymore. I really didn't want to do it, and so so we we ended up um, leaving that label. And my and some of the guys in the band went to and they left. They quit doing music altogether. My brother and I did not, and we did the Ash Monday record on a different record label. And honestly, I mean, I'm just being totally truthful. That was an album that was made during a really unhealthy place. It, it's amazing to me that it turned out. But lyrically, if you listen to it, it's pretty dark lyrically. Mm. I mean, um, there's there's one song called "You See," and it said, you know the one part of the course is you see uh, the part of me that's wanting to believe you see the difference in who I am and who I want to be. And, uh, and, and that was, that was really, that was a really raw reflection of there was a real tension there between who I knew I should be and who I was at that time. And, uh, 
and there and there was a line that says, "Sometimes I feel like I'm trapped in my own life," mm. and uh, and that's how I felt. You know, I felt pretty trapped in the, in the Christian music industry at that time, and and I wanted out, and so I got out. We did that record, and that was it. My brother got married. He quit touring. Um, I moved on, started playing with another band. It was not a Christian band. It was it, it, one of the guys in the band was a Christian, but the other guys were not. And it was not, we didn't want to work in the Christian industry. We purposefully, you know, we didn't, we had offers to do, we had offers to work in the Christian music industry. And I just told them, I said, I'm done there. I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. Anymore. Yeah. So it was kind um, of, it was kind of like you had witnessed that it was like a, you were, it was a disillusion period as far as like you were, you were, um, witnessing while you were in the Christian music industry, which I think is so key to, um, like point out is yes, even in the Christian music industry, there's still things going on on tour behind the scenes that no one knows about there. There's, oh, guys, you know, yeah. I mean, there's things that a lot of times we put people, um, who are in the ministry or who have a Christian label, like you said, on a pedestal. And, and then when later, when we find out, Oh, they're human too. And they've, they've fallen or they've failed. It's kind of like, um, that disillusionment of like, Oh, is, is my faith real then? If, if they fell and they were supposed to have it all together, like, can how can I, you know, (laughs) remain, remain faithful to God. And and that's kind of like what I hear in your story too, is, being young and seeing people that you had looked up, not that it was their fault. I'm not saying it's that. Not, no, definitely yeah. not. But there is something to um, kind of like, a, like you said, a cautionary tale of who, when we come to Christ and when we're building that relationship or we're starting that ministry, or we want to be Christian artists or we want to be Christian business owners or, or whatever. Um, what foundation are we, are we building that on? Right. And, right. and, and who who are we in it for kind of thing or are we in it for the face-to-face communion with christ and and um and so we know you took a little field trip away from the from christian life and christian music and stuff but how did you come back around so yeah so and i'll 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 share that real quick i want to say something because i don't want to paint it like like everyone in the industry was like right hypocrites or um, one, one really cool thing. And this, I'm not, you know, I'm not friends with Amy Grant. So before I say this, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like that, but I did, I did one time we did an event with Amy Grant and I remember, and this was at a time when I was not in a good place. I didn't want to talk about on stage. I just wanted to play the songs. I didn't want to be expected to like give a big testimony on stage. And I remember standing backstage and I, and she was, her and I were backstage at this event and we were getting ready to go on. And I was telling her, you know, I was like, man, I just, I feel this pressure. Like I have to, I have to perform, not musically perform, but verbally perform and say all the right, we used to call them JPMs, Jesus is per minute, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, you, I have to like name drop Jesus. The more times I do, like the more CDs will, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she just, you know, and, and Amy, had, you know, uh, the world knows Amy, she's awesome too, by the way. Um, she was always super kind and really sweet to me, you know, um, but, but she's gone through some hard things, you know, she's gone through some hard things and she's been, the Christian community was not always kind to her when she was struggling. 
and she gave me some really great advice. You know, that night she said, don't, you don't have to go out there and let your song speak. If you don't feel like saying anything, let your song speak for you, mm-hmm. you know, but don't, you don't have to be an authentic. You don't have to go out there and fake it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, and that was really the first time anyone had said that to me. And, and I feel like that came from a place of real, like she had kind of been there, mm-hmm. you know, maybe was there even at that time. But so there were some really great people all along the way that got like that, that God put in my path that encouraged me to be authentic and encouraged me not to hide where I was at and to sort of be open about it because, you know, you can't heal a wound that you say isn't there. Yeah. And I was kind of wounded and I needed to be healed. But as long as I kept denying that I was wounded, that was never going to happen. And so, so um, yeah. So fast forward to the band that I was playing with that signed to Interscope records. And, and um, you know, at that point that went on for a few years and, and I was just not in a good place emotionally and spiritually. I really, um, I was living in Nashville at that time. We had, we had moved, I had moved, my brother and I both had moved and, and, uh, you know, I was, um, I was just unhealthy in a whole bunch of ways and, uh, wasn't really plugged into a good a church in any significant way. And I, you know, as a pastor now, I see, and I know it sounds like I'm like self-serving, but as a pastor now, I see how, how, how integral a part that was in sort of my spiritual wilderness was that during that time, I was, I was not um, plugged into a church, you know, and it's so essential fellowship and communion and accountability and a family of faith that you're plugged into and being engaged with mm-hmm. is so essential to being spiritually healthy. I mean, we're not meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. And mm-hmm. that's sort of what I was doing. And I was failing at it miserably. And uh, so I, I decided to take a few months. I thought, you know, I had some money and I thought I'll come up to Illinois. And I had a little sister who's 16 years younger than me. And I thought I'd come up here and spend some time seeing her. I missed most of her childhood because we were on the road. So I came up back up to Illinois and uh, rented a house. And um, long story short, that that sort of began while I while I was up here. Uh, a pastor friend of mine who was a family friend asked me if I'd come lead worship at a revival he was having. And I remember at the time thinking, "You don't want me in your church." you certainly don't want me on your platform leading worship. You know, I mean, I was at that point, one of those people who would joke and say, you know, your church might burn down if I walked into it. So Mm -hmm. you probably don't want me coming. Um, And now I hear people say that and I'm like, no, it won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, but anyway, I couldn't tell him no, because he, you know, I just, I, you know, I loved him and and his, his sons were friends of mine. So I said, yes. And what was supposed to be a week revival turned into a three-week revival, and God got a hold of my heart, and that began uh, for me sort of the the prodigal's journey back to the ha- you know the father's house is what I always say, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a straight road back. There were like curves all along the way, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm like, spiritually, I think a little ADHD, mm-hmm. you know, I get like distracted <laughs> <laughs> or I did at that time. The Lord sort of helped me with that. But at that time, especially, man, I would get, I would get distracted. You know, I was just not mature in my faith. 
And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, something I was talking to someone else about, uh, just, I was talking about today with someone else is there's just, I was one of these people. I was raised in the church. I wasn't raised in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a whole generation of folks like that. They were raised mm-hmm. in the church, but they were raised to maturity in the Lord. And I was, that was me. That was me. And I'd been to Bible college and I'd been a youth pastor, but I was still not spiritually mature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, that began the thing. And, uh, you know, I, there was one more detour along the way because I had, I got on my record deal with, with Interscope and, uh, started, um, just saying, I'm not going to play music anymore. I'll leave worship the church. And then that sort of, you know, uh, like I said, ADHD, like I started playing with some guys up here in Illinois. I ended up moving back up here. What was supposed to be six months turned into like a permanent relocation. It went nowhere and it really went nowhere. I know because God wasn't going to let it go anywhere because he had brought me back here, not for that purpose, but for something else. And so, but in the course of that, I met a guy named Gary who owned a big paintball place and a big warehouse. And uh, we started a music venue and we were having bands in every weekend. And, uh, my band played there a lot and we had a huge following here and Gary, none of us were really, it's so funny how, you know, God spoke through a donkey in the old Testament so he can use anyone. I'm not calling my friend Gary a donkey, by the way, <laughs> uh, but, but Sorry, Gary, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, none of us were engaged in church, but Gary starts going, Hey, Charlie, I think that we need to like, you know, we got all these kids here every weekend. We need to be giving them something more than rock and roll. We should start a youth group. And I'm like, there's no way I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. I've been a youth pastor two times already. I didn't, I was not, I was like, you don't know what you're asking. Well, he wouldn't let it go. And um, so we started a late night worship service on Sunday nights. And that was the birth of Fountain, mm-hmm. uh, Fountain Family Worship Center. And it was just a Sunday night worship service that we started. I led worship. I wasn't even preaching. I'm like, I'll leave worship. That's my wheelhouse. Like I can play the <laughs> piano or guitar. And I'll leave. I'm not preaching though. I knew I was called to preach when I was 13, but I didn't want to do it. I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to be a preacher. And especially at this point in my life, I'm like, God, I have like, I've discredited myself. I've done so many like terrible things that there's no way I'm not getting in the pulpit because I'm not going to be one of these guys that like, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, uh, for, so for a, the first year of Fountain, I was not the pastor. I was just the worship leader. And the guy who was preaching on Sunday nights, finally, after a year, came to me and said, I'm not called to be the pastor here. They need a shepherd. I'm not doing this no more. And I knew that God was calling me to do it. I didn't want to do it. I told the Lord no for about a month. And finally, I, after wrestling for about a month with it, I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I was really reluctant. I always say God pulled a bait and switch with me on that one because I agreed <laughs> to start Fountain as the worship leader. But, you know. He knew what he was doing. So, so anyway, 12, 12, that years was 12, later. Years, 12 <laughs> years later, here we are. And uh, we're a satellite location now for Anchor Bible College. We have a, you know, we moved into a bigger building about about um, nine years ago. And we bought, an, we bought a grocery store and uh, retrofitted it to, for our church. And then we built a, we built a um, giant gymnasium about three years ago. Um, and, and God has just blessed it. We, we were, we're a debt free church. We've been debt free since day one. And, and that was, you know, and we, and glory be to God, not to us, but you know, most independent church plants were an independent fellowship. Most independent church plants statistically don't last more than five years. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if they last 10 years, that's they, they, they usually fold after five or 10 years. And we're 12 years in now. Uh, we grew in 2020. Most churches were in decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fountain grew. We're seeing explosive, expanse, expansive growth in every way. And it's the Lord. It's not me. It's, you know, um, we just I, continue to see faithfulness. We're opening a school, a private Christian school in fall this year. Um, that's going to be fully accredited through Liberty, Liberty University. And, um, you know, we've, we've just seen God's faithfulness over and over again. Yeah. Even, even, and it, it's been in spite of me most of the time. It's always been, I don't want to ever say it's been because of I don't, me, I don't but, know about that. Cause I, I was just about to say, yeah, I think you're like from when we visited just your pastor's heart and, and how you, you know, you, you're downplaying yourself a little bit, but there's just such a community mm-hmm. at, at Fountain and that we just yeah. love. Like you said, that, that local church body, that it's, it's a family that you guys do life together. Um, it's yeah. a precious group of people that, um, even, even like from what I've witnessed is just, uh, you know, you seeing giftings in some of your uh, church members and, and calling them, I want you to be a deacon. I want you to be a deaconess, yeah. you know, just things like that. I, I really, you know, when you say you felt called at 13 to be a pastor, like I, those giftings, the Lord has been, you know, uh, honing, honing you in on those really through the, through the whole journey, through the ups and the downs and the curves. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, even like when you were saying some of your, your song lyrics from the Ash Monday album. And, um, you know, I, that's what I love about our God is that he uses even our deepest, darkest places where we are saying, I I'm having some unbelief. I'm having some doubt. I, I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm trapped right now in the life that I am. And I feel bad for even thinking these things because I know your God and I know this and that, but like, God still used it or, or when you got called to do that, when the pastor asked you come lead worship at this revival, yeah. you're like, I, I feel so unworthy. I, you know, all of this stuff, but he still used you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, so you know, yeah, I think that's, that's such a testament to our God that, you know, the enemy and, and even our own thoughts, we want shame and, um, and doubt and, and all these things and our sins to create that separation and the Lord, the Lord's arms are open the whole time and say, no, you're my child. Like I, I, I know all these things and it's, and I still want you near and I still want you to, to walk in the fullness of your giftings. And I, you know, and I delight in that. Yeah. And I, I think that's yeah. really cool. Well, I just think like to vulnerability is something that I think in the days moving ahead is just like going to be necessary <laughs> if we're going to like actually, um, you know, foster like uh, any kind of movement or any kind of like true relationship with Jesus and like leading people to Jesus. Like it's going to rec- like, we can't do the fake Christian thing anymore. You know, we can't like do the right. fake it till we make it. Like we're going to have to be open about, Hey, I'm not perfect. I, I did have these doubts or I did do these things, but God, like God, you know, has used everything like in spite of my decisions, like God's met me where I'm at. I think like the world that we live in needs to hear that. They need us to be vulnerable uh, because then they can relate. They can relate and we can lead them, you know, lead them to the only, the only true source that they're looking for, but they don't know that they're looking right. for. That's so good. Yep. And I think, uh, I guess a question I have for you as we like wrap things up yeah. is just, you're in the music world, like, 
you know, kind of had a field trip with God and, and, but came back and into the church and now you're like pastoring, but yet we know because we're such good friends with you that you're still creating music and, and all that. And so I guess like, how do you feel like God is, um, kind of like connecting all of the dots as far as like, he's called you to be a pastor, but yet you still have this incredible gifting with music and, what, um, I guess God is leading you. Um, yeah. With all that. For the first, like for the first time in my life, I re I released a, uh, I guess you would call it a worship record in 2015 and I've continued to create music. Um, ever since then now some not all of it is like worship music not all of it's even uh, you, you know some of it's not Chris, what you would call christian music in other words it probably wouldn't get played on christian radio obviously it's not satanic music but um <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying i mean like it's some of it's just like relationship type songs and things like positive. that positive yeah yeah it's all informed by i you know the interesting thing is like anything i write is going to be informed by my faith Right. So whether I'm writing about Jesus or writing about my best friend or my mom or my dad, it's, it's all informed by the fact that who I am is a child of God. Yeah. That I belong. I am who he says I am. Amen. And so anything that I write is written from that perspective, from a perspective of someone who has received grace and mercy, some of, someone who has been redeemed and healed and set free and made whole and is in, is in awe of, of the Lord Jesus. And so, and knows that that's, that he is the only place that you find peace and joy yeah. and freedom and healing and all those things. And so, um, you know, I continue to make music. Um, I released in 2019, I released, uh, I think like seven singles on just digitally on, every Spotify and iTunes and everything um, about like two or three of those were what you might call like Christian songs. The rest of them were just, just songs, just songs about life and people. And, and uh, I'm actually in the process right now with um, we just started last week, actually is the worship team and I at fountain are uh, we, we began recording a we're doing a worship record. Um, of, of original music that we have written for Fountain. Um, and and so we'll be working on that in 2021 and probably releasing it sometime next year. Um, so we're excited about that. And so, you know, there's, I'm doing that. I'm still recording other stuff like solo stuff. That's good. And that's um, what I just wanted like the listeners to see is that like we can, we can have different giftings and God call us to like different things, but like not have to totally neglect one mm. for the other. Like just as right. God called you to be a pastor, like that didn't cut off that he still gave you this incredible talent as a musician Yeah, and just the neat ways that you're getting to like weave that in, like the worship album at church and even just doing yeah. side projects for fun. Like sometimes as creatives, like we just feel like, Oh, we need to make money from this or it needs to be something that can be played on radio. Mm -hmm. Like that's, yeah. you know, we've been told different times, like you need to follow the structure so that radio will play it. And it's just like, sure. What if we don't want to follow the structure, <laughs> you know, yeah. like right. that's not how we created it to be. And so, um, yeah. So I just wanted the listeners to, to hear that from, from a fellow creative. And I, I later too, I want for our, our fam club members, I want, we're going to share a, a story with uh, Pastor Charlie about when we went door to door 
uh, yes. in your community, inviting people to church. There's a cool story that I want to share uh, for the for the after scenes with that. But um, go ahead and tell us where uh, people can find your music. If you have a website or the church's website or where they can find Sure, we don't. Yeah, no, there's no website. If you go on Facebook, the church has a Facebook page. Um, I've got a Facebook page. It's, uh, my music page, I've got a, you know, one for my private, or, but my music page is Charlie E. Ash. Um, and the reason is I use my middle initial because believe it or not, there's actually a British band called Charlie Ash. Oh. So I couldn't <laughs> even use my name. Um, that's funny. So that's why I use my middle initial. I wouldn't have otherwise. But so, and if you go on spot, any digital format, Spotify, iTunes, um, Pandora, Amazon, you can find my music there. And if you go to uh, Facebook and you look at Fountain Family Worship Center, you'll find our Facebook page. Well, thank you, Pastor yes, Charlie, so much your for coming on here. Vulnerability and sharing. Thank everything. you. So, yeah, yeah. enjoyed it so much. And for those listeners, if you're wanting to hear um, some of the after party, the stories that we're going to uh, talk about with Pastor Charlie, you can become a FAM Club member by going to our website, alishanwinney.com, and there's a tab at the top for the FAM Club. And you can become a subscriber and you're supporting our ministry and you're also getting exclusive and special content yeah. from yours truly. So <laughs> thank you so much, uh, guys. Have a great week and we'll see you next week on Coming Up Higher. So you may have heard us mention the Fam Club in past episodes or on social media. We'd like to let you know more about what it is and how you can be a part. The Fam Club is a monthly subscription partnership that gives you access to our exclusive content, a monthly newsletter, discounted merch, and being the first to know about new music and what's happening with our ministry. Our monthly Fam Club support is what makes this podcast and other aspects of our ministry possible. You can join today by logging on to AliciaAndWhitney.com and by clicking the Fam Club tab.